Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherwood here with you. Happy Monday, everyone, January 25th. Good to be back with you. Uh, lots to get to today. News and notes segment, as always, brought to you by Heritage Digital. Thank you for the sponsorship, Heritage. And uh, as the ad at the top of the show said, if you have internet issues and you don't like your internet guy or gal, give Matt at Heritage a call. He's going to hook you up uh, really, really quick. All right, so the recruiting, that's the big topic around South Carolina these days, football recruiting. Boy, these guys just have sort of hit the ground running uh, for 2023, but they're not quite done with 2022 yet. Uh, so Lavoisier Carroll, who committed really early to the previous staff at running back, ended up going to IMG. We know how that goes sometimes. He ends up signing with Georgia. Almost immediately, he uh, flips uh, to corner and spent this past year as a cornerback for the University of Georgia, won a national championship. Uh, he's originally from Georgia, but he wanted to play running back. And uh, the writing on the wall has been there for this for a while, folks. I mean, we've heard about Carroll for a long time behind the scenes. So it was no surprise when he hit the portal. Uh, you know, of course, he had to get his season over with. And uh, Georgia obviously played longer than anybody outside of Alabama. And so he's uh, – He's uh, he's in. Uh, he's already enrolled, and he adds to a running back room that uh, I think has some question marks heading into the season as far as you know, who's going to step up for Kevin Harrison's or Quandre White. I certainly think there are plenty of options. Uh, you know, it's not uh, – I'm not quite that worried uh, about the running back situation, uh, as I would have been had they not added uh, Carroll and, and – uh, uh, not Bam Martin Scott, uh, Cameron Beal Smith, uh, Wake Forest leading rusher uh, coming to South Carolina as well. Plus, you got Marshawn Lloyd back, Rashad Amos is back for now, uh, and then uh, Juju McDowell obviously will play a, a continue to play a big role uh, in the South Carolina offense. I really like the way they used McDowell 
the, the personnel use in the bowl game, folks, was just so much better. So much better than it had been all year. Um, and what makes it even more impressive, they did it with the carry and Joyner at quarterback a lot of the way. And, um, you know, that's why I kind of contend that Joyner's a quarterback to me, I, I think. I, I just uh, – I think he's uh, more of a playmaker back there. But I've said that a bunch. But Lavoisier Carroll's coming in. He, I mean, he's already there. Enrolled, he'll go through spring. Uh, big, fast athlete. If you're kind of looking for a plug-and-play situation – uh, with him, who does he replace? He's probably most like Zaquandre White as far as the guys that have left. Uh, kind of a slasher, uh, good hands out of the backfield, uh, legit speed. Uh, ran four, five, six on the laser in high school at 195 pounds. Uh, that's good. That's a good laser time because uh, we know that they run those. Sometimes the kids aren't ready. They haven't prepared. It's not like the NFL combine. They just go to the Nike camp and sort of do it. Uh, the transfer portal works both ways. And, and look, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I knew, I think I've said this on the message board and also on the podcast, uh, and forgive Red, he's clinking around here. He's, uh, if you hear that, if the mic's picking that up right now, I apologize. Um, Colby Fields, a linebacker, uh, redshirt of this past year, plays some special teams from Louisiana, uh, has hit the transfer portal. You know, there's been a lot of Louisiana kids hitting the portal this offseason. I don't know. You know, a lot of them have ended up back at LSU. Uh, some of them that were at Louisiana Lafayette, <clears throat> excuse me, went to uh, Florida with Napier. Um, as far as fields and where he'll end up, I, I don't know. Uh, but this is one of those guys that, you know, he's not leaving because of playing time or, you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, he may be, uh, I haven't, obviously we haven't talked to him, but um, it, it, it's not that he's a dead weight guy that was never going to play. Uh, you know, they were pretty high on him and they're going to be players like that. Uh, South Carolina, when you look at their overall numbers, they're, you know, chances are the uh, NCAA is not going to give any relief for the 85 limit. And so they got to get under that number. And uh, you know, there's guys that uh, obviously, haven't played a lot. Uh, Colby Fields have not played a lot yet. Uh, I think he still had a bright future. You know, he's already up to 220 pounds. Uh, but that that's just the casualty of the, the transfer portal. And, and that's, you know, if you can go through and not lose potential starters, I think that's good. Uh, not saying Fields wouldn't have come, risen up the depth chart or anything like that and started this year. Because, I, like I said, I think he's good. But um, – you know, he's out, you know, and, and a lot of times, too, the further away from home, I mean, he's from Metairie, Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. And sometimes the further away you are from home uh, when you're a young player, that that portal gets awfully tempting, especially if you have an opportunity to go back. And I don't know what LSU uh, would do with him, or, or maybe he's not looking to go to LSU. Maybe it's another school in Louisiana. Maybe it's not a school in Louisiana at all, but uh uh, Colby Fields in the transfer portal. Game got basketball Saturday. Uh, big time getting up off the mat. Keyshawn Bryant. I mean, things were not looking good against a not so good Georgia team at home. The Gamecocks end up coming back and, and making a big run at the end, led by Bryant, uh, Eric Stevenson with some big shots. Frank Martin's team moves to 11 and seven overall, two and four in the SEC with an 83 66 win. Over the Georgia Bulldogs, Gamecocks turn around and play Vandy at home tomorrow. That's another winnable game 
really a must have if this team's going to end up, you know, making some noise, maybe getting in position to be on the bubble. Uh, they've kind of put themselves in a hole with the early start. And um, there's been some disappointing things about the early start uh, in the SEC. To me, uh, losing at home to a very average Florida team was tough. Uh, and that's really the one you look at and you're like, how did that really happen? Florida played a really good game that day. Carolina was just off. But losing at home like that, you know, that's one that can come back and bite you. Uh, obviously, they came back, played well at Arkansas for a half and then blew it. Uh, Hogs won that one going away. Uh, Arkansas is not all that good, uh, as good as they were expected to be. And so, you know, there goes two opportunities. You know, you could have been at four and two right now instead of two and four. But such is life in the SEC. I mean, this is a really good basketball conference this year. Uh, Devin Carter looked to have a pretty bad injury, but but he's back, uh, according to Frank Martin. And John Whittle reporting that on the Big Spur. Uh, really having a good freshman year. Uh, remember, the transfer portal is in place for basketball, too, folks. And it's going to get – the transfer portal will get crazy in hoops, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know how – you know, th- there's too many factors to say how it will impact South Carolina just because you don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year with individual players. Uh, but uh, certainly if I were at another school and I thought that maybe there was a chance for a coaching change South Car- South Carolina, you know, I think Devin Carter to a lesser extent, Jacoby Wright, and then Taquan Woodley, when you talk about freshmen, you know, those guys probably would be attractive players to other schools. I've heard nothing about that, so don't panic. <clears throat> I'm not uh, predicting they'll go in the portal. I'm just saying that, you know, Devin Carter certainly has proven to be a, a player with a bright future, and everybody knows it. So, I mean, I don't know what the freshman all-SEC team for the SEC, uh, is going to look like in basketball this year, but I would think Devin Carter would have a good shot at getting on it. Good recruiting news. G.G. Jackson, five-star player. Lots of talk about him reclassifying to 2022. Uh, local guy, five-star guy, South Carolina, North Carolina, Duke. Uh, big-time, big-boy basketball recruiting there. Uh, he set an official visit to South Carolina uh, the weekend of February 18th, 19th, 20th. Uh, Carolina has a home game with LSU. Uh, big official visit. Uh, you know, I think if South Carolina can find a way to get him in the fold, um, it helps. <laughs> uh, that's something that doesn't happen a whole lot with these big-time guys local. Uh, but but Frank Martin and his staff have developed a really good bond with Gigi Jackson. He, he's kind of the, a different guy. So that's uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, a lot of folks around South Carolina believe that uh, the Gamecocks could be the pick in the end. Uh, did hear from a contact the other day, Duke's probably going to make a move. Um, keep in mind, too, Duke and North Carolina have new coaches. You know, I think John Shire is going to be the coach next year at Duke. And uh, then already Hubert Davis has taken over for Roy Williams at UNC. So – I don't know if that changes the dynamic up there or not. Those are great programs, but everybody always talks about it. And I do think it's a myth that Duke and North Carolina's presence in the Carolinas somehow hamstrings South Carolina basketball. You know, South Carolina's problem has been 
when you're talking about recruiting, not not necessarily losing guys like Raymond Felton to North Carolina. That great if you can get him. If you can get Zion Williamson, great. But uh, it's it's been more like losing players to Alabama and Ole Miss and Tennessee and you know those schools. When all is said and done, Butler, uh, Murray State, if you will, uh, when you're talking about in-state recruiting. But things looking really well with G.G. Jackson right now. Again, that official visit's coming up. Uh, on the 2023 recruiting trail, there has been a commitment, a welcome home from Shane Beamer. Not at liberty to discuss who that is, other than it's a 2023 prospect. Uh, I, my belief is it's, it's a good start. Um, and I think Carolina's got some momentum right now. Uh, there's a player in particular I wanted to mention. I entered a crystal ball prediction for him today, Zechariah Owens. 6'7", 345 offensive tackle from McDonough, Georgia. Um, loves South Carolina. Just a guy that's really bought into loving the culture, loving Shane Beamer, Greg Adkins, uh, those guys. Uh, and, and the Gamecocks feel confident about him. I feel confident about the Gamecocks' chances, four-star player. Um, so obviously, you know, you're talking about a six foot seven, 345 pound offensive tackle or offensive lineman, I guess, you know, because you never quite know. Uh, out of Georgia, that Georgia and Bama, Bama offered three days ago. Um, you know, that guy could, you know, that, those of you that always are talking about upgrading talent on the offensive line and, connected to star ratings, well, here's one of your guys. And there's going to be guys like that coming up. I mean, you look at the the 2023 class in state, Marquis Anderson from Dorman. South Carolina's got a really good shot at him. I mean, you know, Clemson normally has dominated recruiting at Dorman when there's a player that they want. Uh, so I, I'm not ruling that out. They, too, had a coaching change on the offensive line. Thomas Austin taking over for Robbie Caldwell. But uh, South Carolina's really put itself in position with Anderson uh, to land him, you know, as of right now. So we'll see sort of how everything plays out. Uh, I don't think South Carolina has a good shot with Monroe Freeling from Oceanside Academy down in uh, Wando. Uh, I think that's a more of a North Carolina Clemson deal. He's kind of from out of state, but, uh, you know, South Carolina was just way behind on him uh, when the staff got here. They'll try to play makeup and try the best to get him, but uh, I don't feel good about that one. I feel pretty good about Marky Anderson as things stand right now. And then you look to the 2024 class, uh, and you've got Josiah Thompson at Dillon and Pringle at Woodland. Uh, South Carolina can split those. Great. If they can sweep those, even better. That's way down the road, but uh, right now, I mean, that's two. Those are two of the best tackle prospects, pure tackle prospects, I've seen to come out of the state uh, in a long, long time. As far as two in the same class, uh, Woodland obviously sends players to Clemson. I mean, uh, to, from Ty, Ty Hill on Robert Smith on four when they have a player, they usually go to Clemson. So Pringle, obviously, you'd think the Tigers would, would have an inside track there, but Carolina's done a good job with him. At Dillon, though, South Carolina definitely has uh, Josiah Thompson and its crosshairs. I mean, that guy, you know, I'd, South Carolina would really have to mess it up not to get him. I don't think they're going to mess it up. So uh, there's kind of a, a broad sheet look at offensive line recruiting. 
And then don't forget, you got Brubaker, you got Grayson Maines, you got Case and Henry all coming in. None of them. Weird that none of the offensive line commits for 2022 enrolled early, but that's okay. I mean, so uh, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, Normally they have been, so we'll see. But there's a lot of players back up front this year. So I think if those guys wanted to come in the summer and develop that way, that's fine. I, I don't really see any of them playing. Uh, Case and Henry would be the one that could sneak up there just because of his toughness and position versatility. But uh, that would be the guy there. But the, the player to look out for right now, if you want to put an offensive lineman on commit watch for 2023, Zechariah Owens out of the state of Georgia. You know, South Carolina, obviously, you know, <laughs> that would be a big-time get. That's Because uh, that's not – you know, I talk about recruiting in tiers a lot. And that's a tier one guy. That's an Alabama, Georgia offer guy. Uh, whereas normally South Carolina is recruiting in, in Georgia where they need to be in tier two, uh, you know, against your Auburns and Tennessees and Floridas of the world. Uh, not so much Georgia, but, uh, or Alabama, but, uh, or Clemson in, in a lot of instances. But uh, I think, wow, you know, you look at that. Uh, South Carolina's right there. I, I feel like Carolina's in a good position for Keith Sampson out of Newburn, North Carolina, who's another Alabama, Georgia offer guy as a defensive tackle. Um, you know, I, I I think the best way I can put it so far is Carolina is, you know, has some momentum for 2023. I'll say this too. Elijah Davis uh, from Wagner Sally. Well, here's another Bama or Georgia offer guy. He's at East Mississippi Junior College for 2023. Those of you that keep asking me about junior college recruiting, well, here we go. Um, I think the previous staff placed him. Maybe this staff did. Uh, He's got a good relationship. He's an in-state guy. He's up to 315 pounds. You know, so so you can kind of tell what Georgia may be looking at him as is that Jordan Davis nose tackle type. But – you know, 300 is what he's listed out on his roster, 315 in the database. So split the difference there. He's a big boy. And he was a, he was a 265-pound end at Wagner Sally that sort of reminded me of J.J. and Igbare, uh as a player, kind of your bigger end that can rush the passer. So uh, excited to see sort of what he's become. I haven't watched his JUCO film yet. Probably needed to do that. But I'll, I'll do that today and then pass along to you guys what I think. But the Gamecocks have offered him – uh, again, in-state D-lineman from D-line heaven, Juco kid Eliza Davis originally from Wagner Sally. And Carolina's had some pretty good success, you know, uh, of late. Uh, Jabari Ellis obviously was a Juco guy. You look back, Javon Kinlaw was a Juco D tackle. Uh, you can go back in time and look at Daryl Shropshire and Cleveland Pickney. Those guys were both uh, junior college guys that came back. Uh, and played well. Currently on the roster, Devontae Davis and Keen Green have not, you know, panned out like maybe people thought. Uh, Davis just struggled with injuries. And then Green, I'm not sure what his story was this past year. Maybe he just got passed by some guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not it's not always a bad bet to go with uh, junior college defensive linemen from this state that head elsewhere. And uh, he's out at East Mississippi. So keep an eye on that. All right, that concludes the news and notes segment today uh, on the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Again, thanks to Heritage Digital uh, for uh, rocking and rolling with us. 
sponsoring that segment. Uh, and now uh, it's time for the analysis segment, obviously. And that means I have to tell you about Cindy Searfoss from Caldwell Biker Kane, who sponsors this segment. We certainly appreciate her and uh, appreciate uh, all that she's done for our podcast. Uh, her husband, 35 years uh, in the upstate. Sorry, her husband's a diehard Gamecock fan. Cindy's been in the upstate for over 35 years. I would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. Uh, it's Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Union, Oconee, wherever. She's in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact her, 864-414-5271, or see Searfoss at cbcane.com, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Cindy Searfoss, uh, Daniel Morgan Avenue, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Caldwell Banker Kane, uh, really good person. Uh, husband is a coach at Burns High School. Uh, you guys know I love Burn, Burns High School. And uh, Cindy can help you. You know, the real estate market's crazy right now. I have a buddy trying to sell his house. Cindy's helping him. I hope. I hope he calls Cindy. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a few days, a few weeks. But uh, hopefully, hopefully that happens. And uh, hopefully she helps him. But I know she's helped a lot of others in the upstate to make sense of this crazy real estate market. Cindy Searfoss, Colwell Banker, Kane Real Estate. Okay. Um, so Fields is gone. And, and I, here's the thing. It's, I understand, and, and I'm with everybody that said linebacker was a weakness um, on the team this past year. Run defense-wise, uh, some of it was on the D-line, not getting a good push or whatever. Um, but then, you know, <laughs> uh, there were times linebackers, Damani Staley really had a good final year. I thought kind of helped piece things together, made some big plays. Uh, but Damani's limited. Uh, Brad Johnson's more of a pass rusher, uh, losing Sherrod Green again, hurt, uh, Debo Williams, Mokaba probably weren't quite ready to go start. Um, and, and so I think, you know, with all the portal stuff, considering, you know, the performance probably was about a C plus at best, probably C, C minus at times at linebacker last year. So I think w- with some of these options, getting in the portal, Jalen Moody, uh, who went in the portal and then went back to Bama uh, from Conway, and then Tyrone Hopper uh, is in the portal uh, from Florida. He was a guy South Carolina really went down the road with uh, and – you know, couldn't quite get it done originally from Gaffney. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with him, uh, if South Carolina will go on him or not. My guess is he may follow Christian Robinson to Auburn. Uh, because because what, I, what I've been told uh, by contacts is a linebacker is full. Now, with Fields leaving, who knows what it'll mean. But keep in mind, folks, South Carolina only plays two at a time. So, they, and, and right now, uh, and I'll tell you about EJ Lightsey here in a second, Right now, you got eight. You got Brad Johnson, Sherrod Green back, Mo Cabba, Debo Williams back, Stone Blanton's coming in, Donovan Westmoreland is already on campus. Bam Martin Scott is a JUCO guy. They redshirted this past year from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I think he's a JUCO in Kansas. They love him. I mean, you look at his JUCO film, he's all over the place. Uh, they love Kobe Fields, too. I mean, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, and then you got Daryl Ware. Uh, for Fort Dorchester, who's still there, is kind of a Sam guy or whatever. So that's eight guys. 
and then making an official visit this weekend is EJ Lightsey. He's sort of a late riser from Fitzgerald, Georgia. Visited University of Georgia this past weekend. Uh, it is a Carolina-Georgia battle. Uh, he's going to come to South Carolina and make an official visit. The Gamecocks get the last, the last look at him. Now he's a linebacker too, so he would he would slide right in and be the ninth guy uh, in this group. So, you know, when I look at this group overall, it, you know, I it's hard to say. I, you know, Brad Johnson needs to get better at some of the you know fundamental stuff at linebacker. Uh, you know, really good pass rusher, pretty good playmaker. Just gets out of position sometimes. That's a death sentence in this league at linebacker. I, I think Sherrod Green, if healthy, would be fine. But, you know, he's had two injuries two games in, or one game in one year and three games in the next, an average of two games in, when he's been playing pretty good football. Uh, you know, so so can you count on him? Will he get hurt again, whatnot? You know, they love Mohamed Kaba. Uh, I think he could start. Uh, they love Debo Williams. I think, you know, he may need another year before he can go start. You know, then I mentioned the other one. So, you know, I think South Carolina's in pretty good shape. I just, in my opinion, I think you have to, you know, you have to get better somehow. Now, whether that's Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green, two older players having an outstanding final go of it in 2022 uh, and shoring that up, whether that's the D-line playing better and helping the linebackers, whether that's Mo Caba and Debo Williams taking over the starting jobs or, or someone else, Bam Martin, Scott, whoever, uh, the bottom line is it has to get better uh, if South Carolina is going to improve its run defense. And, and I think there's some capability there. And, and I think that, you know, these guys aren't idiots, you know, especially when, you know, you kind of dig in for a consensus. You know, they're not going to sit there if they can go get a guy, you know, like a Moody or Hopper, whoever. Uh, that's better than what they've got. They'll oversign to get it. But, you know, right now that's just kind of how it is. I mean, they're they're really happy with what they've got. So we'll see what the the result is next season. Uh, And we'll see if they can add EJ Lightsey. EJ's a three-star guy for whatever reason per 24-7 sports capacity. Doesn't look like a three-star guy to me. Um, But uh, was committed to Florida for a long time. And – then he uh, decommitted from the Gators uh, after the coaching change. It's Georgia or South Carolina. Uh, he was the 2A defensive player of the year in Georgia this past year. Uh, won a state championship, you know, has played some end. You know, he, he's, a, he's a heck of a player. And Fitzgerald, Georgia, puts out guys. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a good deal. You know, another purport from Georgia, I didn't put this in the news, it's like Mike Bobo is going to join Kirby's staff as an analyst down at University of Georgia. So getting the band back together, uh, I guess, with with, uh, everybody down there. Kirby Smart, Mike Bobo, Will Muschamp, all right there together. University of Georgia Bulldogs. So, uh, and again, it, it looks like it'll be an analyst spot. And so we will see, you know, I mean, that it, that means Bobo won't be out recruiting or whatever, but he's a, you know, he's a guy that can help your offense, help with quarterbacks. I, I was uh, I was pretty impressed with Todd Monken, you know, especially in the championship game, uh, dissecting that Bama's corner they had out there wasn't all that good, and he went right after him and helped them win. 
So we'll see sort of what uh, what goes on there. Just notice that when I was sitting there talking about EJ Lightsey. Uh, but Lightsey's going to visit this weekend. I, I think this will probably be the last high school guy the Gamecocks take a shot at. And uh, it'd be a pretty big recruiting win because uh, you're going head-to-head with a Georgia kid right after Georgia wins a national championship. You try to swipe him. Uh, so I guess this would be a tier one guy out of Georgia too. Again, the tiers don't mean anything as far as the ranking goes. Uh, you know, tiers, when I talk about tiers, I'm talking about, all right, who's recruiting them? Um, because, you know, there, there are pools of players. There's a pecking order these days. And, and look, most of the time, your higher ranked guys are the guys that Alabama and Georgia are recruiting. That's not the case here. But uh, And then you look at the NFL draft, and there's some guys that are out of that next tier. J.C. Horn comes to mind uh, that end up being top ten draft picks. So that state in particular is nothing. You know, South Carolina definitely should be hitting tier two. I mean, I saw I saw Auburn build a program kind of that way with a third, a third, a third. They would go a third in state. You know, battling Bama back when Bama was a little less selective. Uh, they'd go South Florida and get my guys, and then they'd hit Georgia really hard out of that tier and Auburn found enough players. You can, you can ask any Auburn people, any Auburn fans, you know, what do you guys do for recruiting? Well, here's what they normally do. I don't know what they're doing under Harson, but <laughs> that's sort of what they normally do. So uh, yeah, those are absolutely the types of players. If you're South Carolina out of Georgia, you need, if you can score a big win and get lightsy, gives you a lot of momentum folks, a lot of momentum heading into, uh, you know, finishing off this class heading into the offseason for 2023. Because then when you're going head-to-head with UGA on a guy, you can point to it. You can say, well, we got EJ, you know. So, I don't know. I, I'm not putting a crystal ball in or anything like that. But uh, – and there's some mixed, you know, mixed feelings about it. I think Rusty Manziel thinks, you know, although he hadn't put in a crystal ball, Georgia. Uh, Steve Wiltfong from 24-7 Sports says he likes how South Carolina's shaping up. I know the Gamecocks are – you know, pretty excited. Uh, and, and I'll say this too, man. It's like if Clayton White can pull this guy, and I don't know that they can, but but if Clayton White can pull this guy linebacker, that's like twice this cycle he's going into like, I don't know if you call it enemy territory, if you want to use that term, uh, but you go into Mississippi State's backyard and get a guy – you go into South Georgia and beat the national champs on a kid. That's that's a solid year's worth of recruiting, uh, in my opinion, uh, for Clayton White. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on it. Uh, see if the Gamecocks can pull a surprise. Uh, to me, it would still be a surprise, even though, you know, there's some talk out there that South Carolina's uh, doing pretty well. But, you add him to the linebacking core or not, uh, my point is they've got eight. It's in good shape. Um, a good, uh, you know, it's a good group right now. Uh, I think when you're talking about South Carolina and, uh, linebackers, uh, at least that's what they say in there. And I know, uh, I know some of you are going, well, what, wait, wait a minute. Linebackers were not that good. And, and they weren't, I agree with you there, but you know, but <laughs> we'll see, you know, we'll see kind of what happens. All right, time for the mailbag, sponsored as always by iHelp Consulting. The iHelp Consulting mailbag is uh, 
A very popular segment here, and Daniel Owens can save you money. If you're a business owner, uh, it's a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, that's a big one, uh, internet, insurance, anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can save, cannot save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. So there's no risk in calling Daniel. Uh, that's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. 843-372-5713 or visit ihelpconsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, ihelpconsulting.com. I help consulting. How can I help you? And also a shout out to them because they also sponsor uh, JB and Goldwater, uh, which is a great show. By the way, any of you out there that would like to get in on JB and Goldwater. I think they still have some advertiser spots left. Um, I certainly would be glad to facilitate that. Give me an email up inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, all right. So here we go. <laughs> the I help consulting mailbag. And there's two ways to get into it. I mentioned uh, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, but also you can tweet to, at the Big Spur Pod. So, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a while here. Um, Simpsons Wild Card Saturday. Wow. Uh, all right. So, Gamecock Fan 3 says, prioritize, I know we are prioritizing weeks. Uh, and West Weeks obviously went to LSU. So, but did I hear you're saying we wouldn't be too interested in Moody from Bama? Would that change? If weeks didn't come until later due to injury, no, that's not going to change. Uh, and as I said earlier, and this is an older tweet uh, from about 10 days ago, I just wanted to answer a Gamecock fan. Uh, Booty went back, uh, Moody, Booty, Moody went back to Bama. That's And so there we go uh, with that one. Um, Thomas says, Why are punters and kickers always rated so low on 24 7, but five stars in other places? Uh, I was part of this decision uh, because they don't work out uh, and, and and you rarely have a kicker that's a five-star impact guy. Uh, I would probably go high three at most on most of them. Uh, and one of the reasons is, is you don't, you know, you're kicking off the ground versus the tee. Um, many, many schools just go with walk-ons for kickers uh, and end up getting a better deal with it. Uh, you know, players that can maybe work out. Uh, and so it's just not something that you go five stars. on. Uh, same with long snappers, same with punters. You know, you're doing pretty well uh, to get, uh, you know, to get a high three when um, you're talking about, uh, you know, when you're talking about kickers. And that's just the way we did it because – it, it, you just have to kind of factor everything in, you know, as far as who gets the higher rating. We did the same thing with JUCOs, you know, at 24-7. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of affecting the transfer portal ratings right now. And uh, I've actually got a phone call I'm going to uh, take later today about this, you know, at, at 24-7, kind of give them some advice uh, on that good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so, Thomas, that's why we do it. it, it it's about – impact uh it's about projection um everything with the 24 7 sports ratings is geared toward the nfl draft uh because you have to have a roadmap when you're when you're in other words when you're evaluating talent uh 
and you're ranking top 100 players in the country, for example, right? Um, it's an it's not an apples to apples comparison because you're dealing with different states, different levels of competition. Uh, you're projecting in a large way uh, with a lot of guys. You're projecting, you know, is this guy going to be able to be, you know, like Eric Shaw, for example. You, you look at him, you're like, he's going to be 245 pounds. Well, he's not right now, you know. And, and so there's a, a, a – you thought wrong. So what are you going to do with it? <laughs> that kind of thing. So you're projecting largely. And um, so you got to have a roadmap. And so what do you use as a roadmap? Well, do you use – the, the the pro bowl or do you use people love to use super bowl starters and uh talk about ah these guys are there's only this many two stars starting in the super bowl or whatever this many five stars in the super bowl and that that's fine that's more of a team thing and by the way great weekend of nfl football this past weekend wow blew me away uh but you know th- th- those are more team things and it's not you know these are individual talent right you know, these are projecting players to go wherever. So it has to terminate at some point. And the NFL draft is a perfect spot for it to terminate. Uh, and you can use that data. That's why they're around 30 to 32 five stars because you're saying these guys could be first rounders. And um, and so that's what – and that's just what we use. I mean, you, you, and then you go with position value. In other words, your number one center – unless he's just a freaking beast, and, and I've never seen one. Somebody one year ranked the center number one. I think scout.com, somebody did that. The kid was good, but no chance of being the number one pick. Um, so you have to kind of use the position values that are assigned by the NFL to a certain extent. I mean, there was a year, Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette's year, I think as they were all in the same class where we had four or five-star running backs you're rarely going to have four running backs taken in the first round, four or five. Um, but those guys were just too good. And, and it's running back. So, you know, you, those guys are all going to make big impacts in college. They just may not be drafted that high. You know, your number one quarterback is always going to be a lot higher than your number one left guard or your number one uh, safety. Corners go above safeties. Edge rushers many times go a little bit above tackles, but tackles are also valuable. Uh, don't defense linebackers are a little lower uh, and it's all kind of, it's very subtle. It's very subtle uh, when you're talking about that, because you're splitting hairs. And like I said, state to state position to position um, and, and kickers are never drafted high. And, and so if you want to get down to like what went into the decision, it's that we made the decision to say, we're going off of a blueprint provided to us by the NFL draft. Cause that's when, you know, we're not sitting there going, man, you know, this guy, you know, we rated him four stars and now he's an all pro or whatever. So we're great. No, if he doesn't get drafted high, then then that means we kind of miss. There was something that went askew <laughs> on the college level, you know, or, or a little better, or maybe the scouts didn't like him or whatever. Uh, but we don't sit there and, and claim that. Or if a guy uh, like Mitch Trubisky, for example, I, I, I and I was – strongly against uh, anybody taking Trubisky over to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes, but the bears did. And, uh, but that made me look good because Jerry Hamilton and I at 24 seven, we saw this kid Trubisky out of Ohio, urban Meyer taking another kid out of Texas, JT Barrett, I think. So Trubisky goes to North Carolina, but we loved him. So we put him in the top 
200, I guess he's 180 or something. And so, you know, uh, that was a win, uh, even though Trubisky didn't get traded and he's a backup for the uh, Buffalo Bills now. Um, that was a win for us, but, uh, you know, but trying to put it in perspective like that, that that's what it is. It terminates at the, at the NFL draft. At least it, I'm pretty sure that's the same. That's the same thing. I mean, that's the same thing they do now. So hopefully at 24 seven, I'm sure at own three, they're doing that. Uh, just cause I know the guys over there. I uh, don't know what rivals is doing now. And ESPN definitely does not look toward the draft. They're more toward impact in college. And that's why I like composite because different people kind of like different things uh, and value different things. And then you get a nice ranking uh, at the end of it. So there you go. All right. Jeb said, now that West Weeks has gone to LSU and Jalen Moody has returned to Alabama, why do we seem to have no interest in Moody? You said it was a numbers thing, but once we missed on Weeks, there was a spot, right? Was the staff just higher on Weeks? Uh, yeah, in, in Weeks, Jeb had, you know, three four, three, four years, four to play three, and he had a brother that's a young linebacker. Uh, Moody had one year. And so that's probably the, the thing. And you've got two fifth, six year linebackers and Green and Johnson coming back. Um, so that was that was the decision that went into there uh, with that. Now, did do I agree with it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how the linebackers do this year. Uh, I like Jalen Moody a lot. I think he probably could have come in and started, um, but. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, he, he went back to uh, back to Bama and probably going to get some playing time there this year. Uh, you know, so I think he's pretty good. He's re- at least really good on special teams, but that's uh, – it, it was numbers, and it was still numbers. Even with Weeks there – and with Weeks specifically, I don't know that they didn't say – you know, hey, can you come in in August? And LSU was like, come in now, because because there was some. Let's just say there's some there was some discussion about it. You know, with the staff, and so so we'll see. Same with same with Tyrone Hopper that entered the the portal from Florida. Now he's a little bit different guy than Jalen Moody. Um, like I said, I, I would kind of feel like he's probably going to Auburn with Christian Robinson, but. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Joe Sports Caller says, what position will Lavoisier Carroll play, running back or another? Yes, he's a running back. Uh, I don't see South Carolina moving him either. Uh, I think that's where he wants to play. Uh, I understand the logic at Georgia with corner because they needed corners. He's a hell of an athlete. Uh, he's got a build that could be pretty good at corner, but but he's a running back, you know. Uh, he goes uh, – and so he's a running back at Carolina. So – Joe Sports Caller goes on, what are the best Columbia restaurants for a game day meal, in your opinion? Game day, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm On game days, if I'm there, I'm usually like at my buddy's condo or at a tailgate, you know, which is obviously chicken and things like that. Um, if I were just going, like, let's say I was going to a, for a basketball game or something and didn't want to eat in the Vista, I'd probably go to Rockway Athletic Club. I really like their burgers. A fermented cheeseburger there is outstanding. Um, Columbia restaurants are just something that, you know, I, 
I could probably do Greenville and Spartanburg pretty well. And I could tell you the names of some places I've eaten in Charleston that are fantastic. Uh, you know, Nashville always, because uh, I lived there for seven years, uh, always say hot chicken because that's kind of a Nashville thing. And then uh, Chicago, obviously, there's a smorgasbord of, of delicious food uh, in the Windy City area that you can take advantage of. And it's unique. But Columbia, you know, I, I don't, you know, when I was in school there, I, I did, uh, I was going to Carolina two year. I went to USC Upstate, then I went to Carolina and back to USC Upstate to finish up. <laughs> I kind of tell what happened there with my academic career, but <laughs> no, I, I was fine. But, um, yeah, I, I would, I would eat Toogies a lot, I guess, delivery. I mean, I, I worked at Sammy's Deli, so I did that a lot. I liked Beezer's, you know, um, the, the times I've lived in Columbia since I'd, you know, D and then I, and I, so I'm gonna back up on Rockaway Athletic Club, D's Wings. Uh, if the one in Casey is still there, I love that place. I love that place a lot. Um, but I'd hit lizards thick it up, you know, just cause I, you know, I'm kind of a meat and potatoes guy. I like hamburger steak, the fried squash, the French fries, mac and cheese, man, that sounds good. I can't get anything like that where I'm at right now, where it's nine degrees is the high today. So anyway, there you go, Joe sports caller. So, uh, just to reiterate, Carol's definitely a running back. But for game day, I know I said Rockaway Athletic Club, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to say option one would be D's and Casey. If it's game day food, that's definitely what I would do. All right, so those are the tweeters that have tweeted in, and you go to uh, you go to the inbox inside the game at gmail.com and uh, need more of these folks. And I know. I know we didn't have a podcast last week, so just want to let you know the inbox is open. The iHealth Consulting mailbag is open, so get those back to me. Um, he says, uh, Sean says, I saw that the ACC commissioner is not with playoff expansion just yet for numerous reasons. I have a hunch the main reason is he wants all conferences on a somewhat level playing field. For example, I saw he potentially wants all leagues to split TV revenue. Do you think that's even possible? I've heard numerous schools like Florida State, Clemson, and even Miami to be baffled. Programs like Vanderbilt, Missouri get the money they do from the SEC. Sounds like sour grapes. Ah, Sean, I agree. Uh, They're not getting the same money. They don't have the collection of programs that uh, the SEC does in their portfolio. They don't have the interest. Um, it, it, it's one of those things, though, like I believe the ACC is, is, a, is a conference of missed opportunity for a lot of schools, not Clemson. Obviously, Clemson has taken advantage of their opportunity. But honestly, guys, the league granted them that opportunity. I mean, Clemson takes a backseat to nobody right now. But, I mean, let's be honest, they haven't had to go through some of those dominant Florida State teams uh, because they kind of fell off. Uh, the Miami team, they did play one. I mean, they've dominated Miami every time they've played them um, in recent years. You know, Virginia has been up, and Virginia Tech hasn't been up. North Carolina is recruiting well, but that's about all they're doing, wins and losses-wise. Uh, they, 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 And in fairness to them, I, I think too much was made 
out of the classes that they had on campus right now in terms of being being able to go out and win eight or nine games because I just don't think Howell will have the supporting cast this year. Um, you know, good for the Gamecocks to beat them, obviously, uh, but they're not back. You know, NC State's had two of the better teams they've had. I, NC State's ranked eighth uh, by Schleyball in his way too early top 25 on ESPN. Do you think they're a top 10 team? I don't. Um, I will say Dave Dorn's done a good job. Oh, God, I never thought I'd say that because I've never thought he was a good coach. Uh, but he's done a good job. You know, in 2017, they had all those NFL players, still lost to Wake Forest. I think they lost to Wake Forest this year. But uh, it's um, it's one of those things. You know, I, 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 I look at them and, you know, it's it's getting to a very stable point with that program. And, and so they've done a good – but the ACC in general – I mean, you have so many programs that have a chance, uh, and then you look up and, you know, Wake Forest and Boston College are battling it out for a division title in a year. Clemson's down. And you look on the other end, uh, and it's Pitt. Now, look, Pitt's got a chance. They, that, that's a program that in the, in the 70s and 80s was a national powerhouse. They've fallen off, and, you know, Penn State going to the Big Ten sort of hurt them, and they lost that rivalry, and then – you know, the Big East falling apart. They lost the West Virginia rivalry. And, and you know, but, you know, Pitt is still a, a, a school that in Western PA, which has a lot of players, you know, you can hold off the rest of the country and keep those guys at home at times. Uh, and Pat Narduzzi, I think, is just a hell of a more with less kind of guy. Uh, as a defensive coach, he's embraced offense, which I think is big. So, you know, Carolina, I mean, you know, Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, and the ACC is something to look out for now, you know, but, but that's, that's where that conference is at. So, so they just don't have the brands uh, and, and there's no way in hell they should get as much football revenue off TV as the SEC. Uh, there's no way the pack. I mean, look, the ACC has its own network. The Pac-12 has its own in-house network. The Big Ten has its deal with Fox. You think the Big Ten is going to give that? The Big Ten schools make more money than the SEC schools right now. You think the Big Ten is going to give that up? No. Um, and, and holding the playoff hostage, which is hurting all but one of your teams while your league is this terrible, you know, and it's really really not. You know, I mean, Pitt didn't sniff the playoff this year. They won the league. You know, you're not giving a lot of the schools there a chance to make noise. You know, and 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 I agree. They're probably stunned that Vanderbilt gets as much money as as an Alabama from TV. But that's just the membership has. Well, the American Express membership has its privileges. Uh, now that said, I think all this crap about well, they don't want the SEC to dominate. If you look at the structure of the 12 team proposal, you know, and there's some debate about all this as, as far as the power fives, it's the top six conference winners, including group of five. Um, so, group of five, some years, if, if, if they're two conference champions or ranked ahead of a pit, like Pitt won the ACC this year, they get the auto bid, um, which I think is a, you know, outside of, 
you know, the group of five having their own playoff. If I'm the group of five, I'm like, well, so you're saying there's a chance. Great. You know, and then the top four get a buy. That means Notre Dame can never get a buy. Um, and then you have six at large and look, man, it, it, with the way the committee picks the four team playoff, they really try to do it with balance. I mean, they really, you know, if you're a two loss SEC team, you're probably not getting in over a one loss Pac-12 champion, even if the Pac-12, you know, even if the two loss SEC teams losses to like Alabama and LSU, you're not getting in over that. And, and if they continue to use that criteria, you know, yeah, the SEC may have four teams, but the Big Ten is going to have two. The Big 12 is going to have a couple. I, I just, you know, I don't. For every other league, I think it's a bonus because you're you're getting more teams in the playoff. You're not going to have a situation where there's eight SEC teams. Now, there's some proposals out there. It's like just take the top twelve teams and go. Well, if you do that, then maybe there will be a chance. But I, I do think there. You know, uh, I, I thought that the and I wasn't. I've talked about this on JC and Morgan. I think we have a JC and Morgan coming today. Um, I, I was not really a playoff expansion guy, you know. Uh, but as we got, you know, because I, I was like, you know, I looked back through the history of everything, and I was like, well, there's never been a situation in college football where one more game doesn't solve it, right? In other words, 1997, Michigan-Nebraska tied for the national championship. And that this drives me crazy because I think a lot of people that sort of – fly the banner for the Big Ten or whatever, uh, voted Michigan number one that year. Uh, when Nebraska, that, that Nebraska team that wiped the floor with Peyton Manning in Tennessee in the Orange Bowl that year, that Nebraska team would have beaten that Michigan team, I think, by three touchdowns. Um, but they they should have played. But, you know, you got the Rose Bowl. And I don't want to hear about the dang Rose Bowl anymore either. The, the, these folks, well, what about the Rose Bowl? Well, who cares? They screwed up college football for decades. <laughs> it's delusional. If the Rose Bowl thinks that they matter at all, it's, they're delusional. You know, well, why? You know, you're part of the rotation. Be happy. <laughs> be happy, man. You know, we want our kickoff at this time. Well, just be happy you're in it. You could be relegated to, to, to second Outback Bowl status, okay? But anyway, so – you know, to me, the 12-team playoff expansion makes total sense. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions about the bowls and what to do with it and all that. And I think I think the fix for the bowls fundamentally uh, is not – is sort of outside the playoff, I think. You know, and, and they got to figure it out, too. You know, you, you're talking about having first-round games on campuses and then throwing everybody into the, the quarters with the bowls well, then what are you going to do about the semis? I mean, fans, are they going to travel? That kind of thing. So that, that, that's kind of kind of one of those things. But I, I think the ACC is being absolutely ridiculous right now. Um, and, and, and I say that to say I do understand Clemson's point of view from it. And if I were them, I'd do the same thing. I'd be totally against expanding the playoff. But, you know, like – I guess I was reading an article in The Athletic, and, and they had a good idea about the extra game thing. It's like, oh, you can't play 17 games, whatever. Okay, fine. You don't want to play 17, fine. What I would do is, and this was their idea, and I agree with it, 
but it's not my, this is not a JC Sherbert original, but um, I would go with, okay, conference championship Saturday or whatever. You know, you, you play the championship game, but then you also have a set of games, and, and the Big Ten was going to do this during the pandemic year, where, all right, so you, you got one and two, or, or one from one division, one from the other, or whatever, uh, and then are the top two teams in the league, however you structure it. And then, okay, so three plays three, four plays four, or two plays two, three plays three, four plays four. And so you have kind of like a championship weekend with some extra games. So those games get in, you know, if you want to go to nine conference games, probably a good idea. So you're kind of in a rotation there. It's kind of exciting. You know, you can, hey, you get a team. We're playing a team that we didn't expect to play or that we've already played or, or whatever. So everybody still gets to 12, 12 games, theoretically. So the conference title game is not the 13th game. You know, it's part of a 12th game every year. All right, so that's good, right? And, and so then, at most, you're playing 16, which is only one more game. And that's if you do not have a bye or, you know, whatever. So Clemson, obviously, if, if they were a – I guess a uh, a league champion undefeated like they've been in years past, they, they'd have a bye, you know, so they wouldn't have to play. So anyway, that, that, that's kind of my thought on it is that there's ways, you know, w- without taking away a regular season game, which would suck for season ticket holders and all that, you could, you could do kind of a round robin situation at the end, um, cross division or cross pod or, or however you want to do it. So that way, that way you're not playing the Iron Bowl two weeks in a row. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that kind of thing. So, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see sort of uh, how all that shakes out. But I, but I absolutely, while I agree there are some things in college football they have to start thinking about and working out, man. Yeah, you know, playoff expansion should be a no-brainer to me. Uh, and that's fine. They want to, you know, be ninnies and meh, 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 meh. Well, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and again – I'm not uh, I'm not being critical of our friends in the upstate. I mean, at all. I, I think if, if I'm them, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm screaming and yelling and bitching and complaining. The, 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 you know, hey, don't mess up the system. Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, you name it. The, the programs that have benefited from the playoff. Well, why would you? Why would you want to change? Life is good. Why would you want to change? Chavis says, "Love what we're doing in recruiting, but let's face it." Maybe three of ten years, we would have Georgia talent on the field. Clayton White, surprise, great. We need coaching chops to make us competitive in those other seven years. Do we have it? Please opine, J.C. You know, and look, I I, I do think that you have to have good coaching. You know, you can't rely on talent alone anywhere in the SEC. And and I don't don't know that Georgia's success this year was – just because they had a lot of great players. Uh, I I think they had to be coached. And, and I think that, you know, when you look at the SEC championship game, that game plan on defense was a lot different than what they did in Indianapolis. And they had the horses to do it. Um, and, and I think a lot of times you, you have to make sure, like I said all last year, that you have the players to do what you want. Uh, good coaches – can put good players or great players in position to succeed. Great coaches 
put anybody in position to succeed. And I, I think that's the difference between good and great. Uh, do I think South Carolina has the coaching ability, you know, to make it competitive? Yeah, I do. Um, but I, but I also say this, Jonathan, you know, don't, you know, Georgia talent on the field, Georgia, even when Spurrier was beating them four out of five years, that wasn't all coaching either. You know, look, what, uh, what kind of, um, miracle game plan did they have in 2011? I mean, yeah, good, good fake punt call, but then you have two defensive touchdowns by talented players, Antonio Allen and Melvin Ingram again, and your offense got shut down. Marcus still had 197 yards. You know, there, there wasn't any kind of mysteriously great game plan uh, in 2011 and certainly not in 2012. Georgia's probably better top to bottom, probably more future NFL players in the Gamecocks. Uh, so I think you get, I think you need to get close. And I think once you get close, you know, it's, it's a battle. It, it, it's a battle. And, and I'll say this, the Georgia defense is always going to be talented. But you said three out of maybe ten years you'd have Georgia talent. Uh, I'd say the, the defensive talent they had this year is one out of 15. Uh, and they just did a great job of not only recruiting those guys but developing them. Uh, you know, Jordan Davis, their big nose tackle, was a three-star offensive line out of North Carolina. I mean, there, there, there's not, you know, even with the narrative that it was all recruiting, whatever Kirby did is recruiting. And, look, they recruit great. Don't get me wrong. And their classes are ranked highly. But even with that, they had a walk-on quarterback, a walk-on safety, and a three-star offensive lineman uh, in recruiting now that were instrumental uh, to them winning a national championship. Now, so sometimes it all has to come together from other areas. It's not just about your four- and five-star guys or whatever. It's, it's about developing guys and, and, and having the best players and winning the games. So, you know, I, I, I think South Carolina just – you know, from a Gamecock fan's perspective, you know, you want to – obviously, I, I've said the next step for these guys in recruiting, because I think they do a great job in the portal, obviously, uh, and they have for two years. I think we're going to find a lot of these guys they got last year kind of took a flyer on are going to be really good. Jordan Strong comes to mind. I think David Spalding will be good. Amarian Brown, uh, you hope that, you know, he built on the bowl game where he had, you know, finally showed what he could do a little bit. Uh, and then obviously this year's portal class, I think is really good. One of the best in the country. So, you know, I think the next step is, and this is nothing against the high school players they got or they're going to get in this class. Cause I think there are a lot of good ones. Uh, and I think another, another thing is with, with the, with the pandemic here and everybody sort of getting a red shirt, you got a lot of older players that are still there. So you don't really need, Everybody to step in and uh, play right away. I think there'll be a handful. Um, Anthony Rose, by the way, got into school finally. He was not in, then he was in. Uh, so he's in now. Just want to let you guys know that. Um, he enrolled on the 24th. I'll update the database now. So, uh, you know, can an Anthony Rose or Keenan Nelson Jr. or – Someone like that getting the two deep at safety, yeah. Uh, Landon Sampson, can he get in the rotation at, at wide receiver? Yeah, but 
you know, there's a lot of guys in this class, though, that you're like, well, they're probably not beating out the guys in front of them. You know, Peyton Williams could be another guy, enrolled early, safety from Texas. Uh, there's a lot of guys that you go, well, they're going to be good, but they probably need a year. The offensive lineman, I mentioned all the in-state guys. You know, Xavier Short would be a guy I would – if I had to say, gun to my head, what – early guy or, or what in-state guy in this class will, will play earlier. It would probably be Xavier Short, but a lot of guys that need one or two years to develop. And that's fine. You know, that's fine because those those are good players and they're going to develop and be pretty good. Well, so what's the next step? The next step is, is that you're signing, you know, 20 high school guys or whatever, and 12 to 13 of them are blue chippers, you know, four-star, four five-star guys. Now, is that going to happen this cycle? Probably not. Uh, it's a gradual thing, as we all know, but you got to string class after class after class together uh, to get your roster right. And so I, I think that's the next step recruiting-wise. And I mentioned earlier uh, Zechariah Owens, you know, the type of guy you need to go get if you can get him. Uh, and you need more guys like that. And where they come from, who knows? But uh, you need more guys like that. You need to win the state, you know, get the in-state guys. Uh, and and start stacking high school talent on top of what you do in the portal and the base that you already have, because uh, Muschamp left a pretty good 2020 class full of high school guys. You know, this 2022 class is full of a lot of good high school players that uh, are, are going to be developmental in nature, or they're going to be behind older players early. You know, in a normal year, you know, where Carolina didn't have everybody back, they may be playing. Uh, but uh, you got the luxury not to have to do that, which is kind of unprecedented this early in a coaching tenure. This is only be Shane Beamer's second year. But the, the next step, though, is, you know, you bring in a bunch of blue chippers behind these guys, and then they all compete, and the cream rises to the top. You know, because you've got guys that, you know, have to go to work and bring their lunch pail every day to get on the field, and, and that's what makes you better. Uh, that's what makes you better as a program. So that's the next step when you're talking about recruiting. And it's a process, folks. You know, I, I see some really dumb takes, and this is not from you, Jonathan, uh, usually on the message board, oh, they're 13th in recruiting and SEC and behind everybody else. And, you know, look, number one, you're, you're, you're counting on a very flawed algorithm with that. Number two, if you kind of look at the numbers, even if you do trust the algorithm implicitly, uh, you're only like a handful of numbers behind. I mean, it, it should have shown everybody when South Carolina went from 13th high school players, you know, uh, on signing day, the first signing day, to 23rd, and they got everybody. They just lost Deshaun Barham. That, that should tell you something, that it's very splitting hairs type of deal when you, when you look at that. You just have to be close. But, hey, look, the higher the better, and if you can get more – Blue chip guys, uh, you know, those of you that, you know, talk about the blue chip ratio, I don't think a lot of people understand that the blue chip ratio means, hey, you're not winning a national championship unless you do this. Uh, I don't think South Carolina, as a, as a program right now, uh, the, the demand needs to be that Shane Beamer goes and wins the whole thing this year. Uh, but you, you get that number up, and, yeah, you have a chance. Uh, and so I, I think that as we look towards 2023, you know, the, the key for this staff continue to work well in the portal. Uh, I don't think the portal's going anywhere. Um, but 
more blue chip guys on the high school end, no-brainer types. And there's a lot of no-brainers in this class, even if they're three stars or whatever. But uh, that that's one thing that I think really needs to really needs to happen, in my opinion. Now, I can't believe Stone Blanton is still a four-star guy or three-star guy. I thought he was stock up. Maybe they haven't finalized it yet. Three-star guy per 24-7 sports. Composite has him at four. Uh, so, anyway, that's my that's my take on all that. I think that that's the next step, and you're absolutely right. And if you're going to compete with Georgia year in and year out in the SEC East or, or whatever division you end up getting put into, the more talent you have, the better. Uh, and then the question about coaching, I, I, you know, I – I'm not, gonna, I'm not ready to sit here and say that uh, offensively, you know, that, that I mean, we'll just wait and see. <laughs> Coming off of a weekend like NFL, like they had in the NFL this past year, especially on Sunday, uh, it's really hard to – I don't know. It's really hard not to kind of get fired up about – some of the schemes and 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 play calling and and everything you saw, uh, and say, well, hey, you know, that's kind of the idea, and and I think that is the idea at South Carolina uh, with Marcus Satterfield. If that's the idea, you know, great, but you know, there's 20 other concerns <laughs> about trying to do that. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to say that that offensively they're ready to roll. Uh, I think defensively, they're off to a really good start. I think the key on that side of the ball is uh, to continue to trust your evaluations with Torrey Gray in the secondary. Uh, I think that things are going swimmingly on the interior of the defensive line. I think if they like their linebackers, great. You know, uh, I like them too. I like some younger guys better than some older guys, but uh, I like them too. And then and I think they got to – kind of really look for some pass rushers this this cycle um, and make some sound evaluations in that department. I think, you know, you, you look at Brian Thomas, Jr., 6'3", 225. Can he be 240, 250? Uh, long-arm guy. That's the edge they got in this class. You know, you, you're kind of happy that you got Terrell Dawkins. You're kind of happy that you got uh, uh, Jordan Strong coming back, but you know, you, you need to keep the edge guys, you know, you can't be weak on the edge, you know. And, and I think that's – shoot, that's been a, an issue. You know, <laughs> this past year with Inigbari and Sterling, that, that's fine. But, you know, if you look at one spot in the Muschamp era, maybe they weren't as good as they could be or as good as – you know, especially some of the Ellis Johnson defenses, it's that edge spot defensive end. And, and you know, you got Birch and – Strawn back now, uh, and then Edmund behind them, and Dawkins uh, will work his way in the mix, obviously. Uh, so you're you're good for 2022, barring injury. But you know, looking down the road, you need some ends. You know, you need some ends. So that's uh, that's sort of what stinks about James Pierce going to Tennessee. You know, I don't know if you saw it on three ranked him the 11th overall player in the country, and I understand the idea behind it. Uh, I actually do. I, I I would not have – I would have liked to have seen him in person before I signed off, off on that, but you watch his film and his explosiveness, and it's just not – you know, it's not common, you know, what he does. Uh, at the same time, there's some off-the-field stuff, so we'll see. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, guys like that, you know, South Carolina needs to kind of shore that up because you got to have the pass rushers, don't you, man? Now, you know, look, you can you, you can bring pass rush from a lot of places, like Georgia, for example. They their ends could rush the passer, but they'd also send Tyndall at linebacker and some other guys. They'd come after you. Uh, same with Alabama or anybody else. But yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens as far as coaching goes. But I, I do want to let you know, you know, in, in football, it's not always either or. You know, you're not always like, ah, talent or coaching. It's not always that black and white. It's uh, sometimes it's a lot of different things as far as will you or are you going to win or lose uh, on a Saturday. That's all the time we have for today, by the way. Inside the Game Guys podcast, good to be back with you. Thanks again to Heritage Digital, Cindy Searfoss, and uh, and our guy for my help consultant, Daniel Owens. We'll be back soon. J.C. Sherbert signing off.